This is a special edition of Minnesota Native News. COVID-19 Community Conversation with hosts Leah Lem and Dr. Anthony Stately. COVID-19 Community Conversation is supported by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health. Anine, hello. I'm Leah Lem. We're back with more conversations, more explorations about how Indian country in Minnesota is responding and adapting to the current pandemic. Miigwech, and thank you for joining me. And for this set of conversations, I will be joined by co-host Dr. Anthony Stately. Bonjour, Anthony. Bonjour. How are you today? (laughs) I'm good. Uh, Yeah, so thanks for co-hosting this with me. I'm super excited. First of all, how would you like me to refer to you? You can just call me Anthony. You don't have to call me. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't have like all the, you know, Dr. Anthony no. Stately, PhD, dad. Well, I do have partner. all those labels. And if I got and if I got paid a dollar every time you called me doctor, I'd make you do it more often because then I could pay off my student loans probably faster, but that's not how that works. <laughs> Great. Um, Okay, so can you take a moment and introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you. It's so lovely to be here with you, Um, and I'm excited to be a co-host with you for this series. It's exciting, Um, something I've never done, so it's new as well, and um, I'm always excited to do something new. And an opportunity to talk with the community is always an exciting opportunity. So um, I'm Anthony Stately. I'm an enrolled member of the Oneida Nation of Wisconsin. I'm also a descendant of the Great Red Lake and White Earth Nations of Minnesota. So really proud to be Ojibwe and Oneida. And I'm also the executive officer and president of Native American Community Clinic, which is a um, community health center, federally qualified healthcare center that is been around for about 20 years almost. And we are centered um, in the heart of the American Indian community in South Minneapolis on the American Indian Culture Corridor in Franklin Avenue. So really excited to be here. Thanks. Yeah. So you'll be bringing your expertise as mm-hmm. the the head of that organization, Native American Community Clinic. Um, and you'll be bringing that to these conversations going forward. I'm really excited for that. And we'll also be hearing from folks around Minnesota on all the topics that we'll be looking at. And today on the show, we will be talking about exploring, uh, well, going back to school during a pandemic. Yeah, a big topic. (laughs) Yeah, definitely a big topic. And I have tried just like putting it out of my mind, but now it's, you know, getting to that time to think about it. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it's right around the corner, right? So Exactly. So we have, you know, we have this landscape, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I kind of want to go through and see if we can delineate between what we do know and what we don't know. And I feel like the list of what we don't know is kind of long. So for me, I know we care about our kids. We care about our communities. I don't yeah. want to get sick, you know, and all these things. And what what do you want to highlight that you do know? Well, I think the things that I do know is that, you know, our young people are very vulnerable, right? So we have a vaccine that's available that are, we have vaccines that are available. 
one specific vaccine that's been sort of um, authorized through emergency use and to be used with uh, folks who are under the age of 18. That's the Pfizer vaccine. One of the things I would say is that Native communities or tribal communities across the United States, but certainly here in the in Minneapolis and Minnesota, um, we are a young community, right? We have we have many many young people who are who are very vulnerable because they can't either get the vaccine or they haven't had access to it. And the other part of this, I think, is uh, something we don't often talk about, which is. Um, Young people rely on their parents or their other caregivers to sort of make those medical decisions for them, right? So they don't have a lot of agency. And so they, while they might be wanting to have the vaccine or get the vaccine themselves, they might have gatekeepers that prevent them from being able to do that, even if they have access. And those are all really critical things to sort of kind of discuss and unpack. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So right now the, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine is available for ages 12 and older. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I mean, we still have so many kids or so many youth mm-hmm. that aren't 12 yet. I know my little one uh, is yeah. eight. <laughs> so we yeah. are, we're yeah. a vaccinated family except for a child. So we're still dealing with that. So yeah, vaccines and vaccines work, yep. um, but not everybody has them or is choosing to get them or is able to get them. And then we also have the this um, Delta variant that is very virulent, very strong, easily, you know, they say 50% more transmissible than the original sort of um, uh, coronavirus that emerged 18 months ago. You know, and that seems to be sort of resistant, not resistant necessarily. You can still acquire the Delta variant, even if you've been vaccinated, you might not get sick, as sick as you normally would. Unvaccinated, you might not, and you are likely not to end up in the hospital or, more importantly, dead, which we did have a lot of people who we lost over the last 18 months or so. Um, and that's an important thing to remember. Like staying out of the hospital is really important. I was a week. I was in the hospital for a week, uh, separated from my family when I was sick. So staying out of the hospital is really, really seems important to me. I would think that a lot of people wouldn't want to be there. I think that's the bigger issue is like how rapidly this one particular variant is moving through communities um, makes our children um, so incredibly vulnerable. And also, quite frankly. Adults who maybe have immune suppression or elders who weren't able to sort of benefit from that as well. And so, well, like, what are those things that we don't know? So we just listed off a few things we do know. I know I, we don't know the future, right? Yeah. And there's no real telling what changes in state or federal mandates will happen or changes in CDC recommendations uh, and, you know, what what lies ahead, basically. But yeah. We, do know ways to help. Yep, uh, yep. All of that is unknowable. I think that there's going to be some changes happening. You know, I think that there will be, I don't know, conversations, different threads of conversations I've been in and like state and federal level conversations. I know that the FDA is, um, is you know, looking now to try and figure out a way if they can kind of, you know, uh, approve this, these vaccines more rapidly. Um I was talking with a friend of mine the other day at the grocery store and we were both talking and we just sort of kind of tongue, tongue in cheek said like, we're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. What else does the FDA have to do right now? That is so, so time consuming that they can't get to this, um, which is just kind of tongue in cheek. But the point is, is that, you know, we probably are weeks, if not a month or so out at least. And of course, school is going to start in just a couple of weeks, right? And so there's just, 
a lot that can change and transform over the next two to four weeks. And then I think parenthetically, the other thing I think about is like, you know, you know, our ancestors had to make really critical decisions sometimes throughout our history. And they had to make decisions based on a couple of different things, like what's happening right now, what it, what is knowable, right? And then they had to sort of kind of use their intuitive process and the knowledge and experiences of our ancestors to help them make good decisions and make the best decision for what might come down the pike, right? So I think that's kind of like where we're at here with this. So today, um, I'm really excited. You know, first of all, we're talking, and also we're going to hear from some community members, some community voices about what's on their minds when it comes to going back to school. But, you know, you're right here, I'm right here. So first, maybe we should talk about what are you thinking? Um, how are your kids doing with heading back to school, Anthony? Um, you know, my kids are starting high school. So they're 14 and it's their first year of high school. They're really excited about going back to school. Um, and I have twins. So they're both 14. They're nine, going into ninth grade. One is, you know, we talked about this like, well, I said, one of, one of them the other night said, are we going to have to wear masks? And I said, looks like we're going to have to wear masks because of this variant. And, and the other one says, but we're vaccinated. I said, yes, we're vaccinated. And you'll probably be okay, but, you know, we're going to wear masks because there's a lot we don't know. You could still get the virus, even as a vaccinated individual. And maybe you won't get me sick or your papa sick or each other sick, but there's a lot of people we know and love who maybe don't have the vaccine and are vulnerable. And so we have a responsibility to do everything we can to protect them from being able to acquire and transmit it. So we're going we're gonna to mask up. Right. And one got really salty about it. And the other one was pretty okay with it. <laughs> I know I get a little salty too. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I'm vaccinated as well. I don't, I don't want to wear a mask. You know, you wear it because it mm-hmm. helps essentially save lives at the end of the day. Yeah. I was, well, I was thinking because like you don't have, like your child is under the age of 12 and you also... Um, that your child can't get vaccinated yet. Right. So how are your, how's your family dealing with that conversation? Yeah, I have a Google alert for, it's like COVID-19 vaccine young kids. <laughs> so oh, wow. every day I'm just like waiting for my, you know, news alert that there's been some progress. Um, but I do see that there are trials going on. Um, I'm in mm-hmm. some mom mm-hmm. groups on social media, so I, I get a little information that way. But I'm just waiting, uh, and my kid's ready <laughs> to get it when he can. Yeah. But, you know, we have these conversations about making sure to mask up. We don't have a mask up outside, you know, just like playing around. Mm-hmm. But when school comes around, we're like, okay, you're going to make sure to wear a mask. Like that's all we can do really besides keep him home. And he is such a social kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some, some students do really well working remotely. Some don't, you know, I can't tell you how many times we caught him on like YouTube watching like Minecraft, like hacks. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. 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 Um, like, you know, <laughs> you know and that, you know. <laughs> mine were, mine were shopping, mine were shopping. And they're like, putting. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> 
math. This is not how you want to learn math. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's it's so it's hard because you know we're working. You know, just there's so many complications, and we have it really well too. Um, I just want to yeah. make sure that you know we acknowledge our our privilege of being able to work from home. So, you know, we're just going to do the best yeah. we can. I, I guess that's it. And like you said, you know, take that knowledge that we've, we've been in this 18 months, take that knowledge, look to how we can most take care of our communities and think about the next generations down the line. You're listening to a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations. COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health. So switching gears a little bit, let's hear from those community voices that Chaz Wagner, the radio producer from up north, uh, has brought us and their concerns about the coming school year. Bonjour. Hello. This is Chaz Wagner. I'm up here in Net Lake on the Boys Fort Indian Reservation. And I spoke with some community members here about their thoughts on the current state of the COVID pandemic. Hello, this is Darren Landgren. I'm a Boys Fort band member and I live here in Net Lake, Minnesota. Bonjour, my name is Terry Defoe and I am 49 years old. I currently work for Boys Fort Health and Human Services as the Vermilion Community Health Nurse. Bonjour, here in Indigenous Cause. Karen's my name. I'm from uh, Net Lake. I'm uh, 75 years old. I have five Nijansug, five kids. I have like 24 grandkids and maybe 19 great grandkids. Bonjour. Bimbatu Mishitim Dijnakas. Mishigaming Dunjaba. Nongong Eshbagazi Bing Nda. Hello, my name is Bimbatu Mishitim, or Nicholas Shah in English. I am originally from Michigan. These days I live in St. Paul. I am Boyce Fort, Net Lake, Ojibwe. As we get closer to back to school time, what are some of the things you're thinking about concerning the safety and well-being of your family and community? Well, with back to school time, there's the, a chance of spreading the coronavirus. So a little concerned about that. We've got the vaccine, but the children don't. I am worried about those kids aged 1 to 11. Some schools have stated that they will return with no masks. COVID is spread when you are closer than six feet and longer than 15 minutes in a 24-hour period. This means that if these ages do not wear masks, it will be more likely that they would spread it faster and to more children in the school setting. I have a grandson that has asthma, really. He has bad asthma. He's always on a nebulizer. He's. I'm kind of worried about him going back to... He's being a, a senior this year. Right now, he he wears a mask all the time. Even now, when he goes to the store, he'll wear a mask. As we prepare for back to school right now, I'm definitely thinking as a teacher and as a parent and just trying to be a responsible member of uh, my community. And I think that masks will probably still be the best course of action. We're probably still going to see a lot of the uh, same things we saw last year as far as trying to maintain social distance in schools, trying to make sure there's not a lot of inter-class interaction. And I think if we do that, it will go a long way towards being able to get back to a place where we don't have to worry about those things anymore. We can move past masks. If we do that, I think we could get through this that much faster. So what I'm hearing there is a lot about masks again. 
Yeah, that's what I'm hearing too. And I, and I know that folks were really anxious about having to do that. I, I, have, I have friends who have said to me, one of them recently said like, well, what the hell did we get vaccinated for if we have to go back to wearing masks? And I was like, um, okay, well, let's talk a little bit about like, what are the benefits of getting vaccinated <laughs> and, and, and why that's important? So it's like, you know, I, and I know that there's probably a lot of people that are struggling with that. But I think um, we probably are not in a place where we're not going to have to return to masks when we have large groups of people like in a school setting have to go back into small indoor um, environments. So let's get back to those community voices. And this time we'll hear a bit more about their young ones' points of view, what, what they're hearing from their own young ones. I work in an elementary school, and so think about my students and the families I work with a lot. I think kids are excited to get back to school. Um, I think they understand that there needs to be some caution still, and they're, they're used to it, but we're seeing kids being tired of things that you normally see kids want to do all the time, like video games and watching TV. I hear a lot of parents who have children a little bit older than mine talk about how their kids don't want to be inside. They don't want to be on the screens. They want to be with their friends because, you know, we had so long where screens were all they had. My children are ages 28, 20, and 18. I have two grandchildren and they are both two years old. I will have two in college. One will be doing all online courses and the other will need to attend in person. The college-bound kids want to complete their coursework and look forward to starting classes. And at this time are not worried about covid One has been vaccinated and the other one has not. Two out of my three kids have had COVID. Um, Neither of my grandchildren will attend daycare or Head Start at this time. And they're under age five, so, and they stay at home mostly. And um, we're not too worried because the people around them have been vaccinated. Uh, I think they're getting sick of the boys and girls club. They like it, but I think they want to get back to school. They're excited to have their teachers. They're excited to see their friends because not all their friends go to um, the boys and girls club. So they're excited, but it's not really on their radar. They're just having fun summertime. So My heart just swells and I get, I'm so heartened to hear how kids just want to go to school and be together and connect and interact. And that interaction and community is so important to hear that kids would prefer that over playing video games. Yeah. It's so lovely to see. It's it's like music to my ears, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that certainly has been the situation with my sons. After they got vaccinated, um, I felt more confident about them having like their friends over and doing things with groups. Um, we went on vacation last week and we're in the middle of the woods and they were without their devices or even the ability to connect because we were up in Lake Superior, up in Superior National Forest rather. And they, for five days, I saw different kids that I, kids that I hadn't seen in over the last year, year and a half. And I was like, okay, yeah. So next we are going to hear more from the community voices and we're going to switch gears just a little bit and hear a reaction about the emerging Delta variant. That sounds good. They say this is a really hard sickness that's coming. And if I had the choice, I would keep him home, learning at home. Well, I'm hoping that the teachers and 
well, the teachers at least have all gotten their vaccines and that they're aware that the variant is kind of becoming more present. Like during the summer, there was a little break where no one was wearing masks and everyone was running around, going over to different people's houses. But sounds like we still need to kind of stay put and stay away from each other. I am worried that if schools don't mask up and the kids under age 12 aren't vaccinated, that there'll be an outbreak in these regions because it's much more contagious and putting our teachers and our children at risk. Thinking as a teacher about the Delta variant as well, most teachers that I know anyway are vaccinated and vaccines have proven to be effective against it as far as uh, the news and the science has, has shown so far. Um, and so that's encouraging. It, it worries me less, even though this is a more contagious strain of the virus. Um, I'm grateful that I am vaccinated. However, I do know that because just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you can't carry the virus and possibly bring it to somebody who is more vulnerable. We're going to have to monitor closely and we're going to have to really watch. And I do think we can do it safely. I do think that we can do it in a way that hopefully doesn't require us to go back to distance learning. But I, I think we just have to really roll with what's happening out there so that we can keep everybody safe and especially keep the kids safe. You know, our, our, our children are the future and we need to really make sure they're protected. Folks are really thinking about the well-being and the safety of their children. They're using, you know, the information that they're, that's available to them about this variant and, and trying their best to sort of figure out how to navigate that space safely, which is a really important thing. I liked the comments about the teacher as like, you know, like hopefully... My hope is that all teachers have gotten vaccinated. It's been available to them for a really long time, right? And and I'm hoping that they recognize their contribution to this process, um, keeping our kids safe in, in, their, in their classrooms, um, which then keeps our families safe, our elders at home who couldn't get vaccinated, their younger siblings who can't get the vaccines. Right. Yeah, it's the the Delta variant, I it feels is... A very different beast. Mm-hmm. It feels different when now young children are falling ill more, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that it's so much more transmissible. And I think we really need to understand that the more we let COVID run rampant, <laughs> run around, you know, infecting people, and COVID can then keep mutating yeah. into these different yeah. variants, which can be even more dangerous. Yeah. I've been talking to sort of like my my relatives and friends. I've been trying to just help them to understand like a very basic pro like I'm I'm not gonna give you like a four-year course on virology, yeah. but and I don't think you right. need that necessarily, but what I've been saying to them is like just understand that every every time you pass a virus, specifically a coronavirus here, because they are very smart viruses, you pass a virus from yourself, a host, to another individual, that gives it the opportunity to transmute and, and, and become something different and to grow and, and to be, become more strength, strong, right? Mm-hmm. And to outsmart um, vaccines and such. It's like evolution in, pro- in progress. Yeah. Like just a fast-paced evolution. Yeah, yeah. This is the last bit from the community voices that Chaz Wagner brought in where he asks them if there's anything else on their minds. I encourage everyone to get the vaccine. I know the 
technology behind the vaccine is a little new, but it's been applied in other medical fields. Despite what you read on the internet, you know, it's, it's pretty safe. So go out and get the vaccine. It is especially important for anyone with underlying health conditions like diabetes, heart disease, or elderly. I believe in this vaccine so strongly that I got vaccinated as soon as I was able and I encouraged everyone in my family to get it. I have seen what COVID-19 can do to people and I want to protect those in my community as best I can from this virus and the complications, including death, that it can cause. I will leave you with this one thought. Do you know anyone with polio? My uncle, who is an elder, said one of his friends died from polio as a kid, and he can remember the heartbreak it caused his family and stated that, quote, I want to prevent this disease from hurting my family, so I'm getting the vaccine as soon as I can, and I want all my kids and grandkids to get it as well. And there is no more polio because of vaccinations. Those are some wise words. We have to be cautious, you know, as I've been saying, aware of especially our elders and our knowledge keepers, you know, and speaking of Boys Ford specifically, we don't have very many speakers left, very few. And we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure we learn from them and that we keep them healthy and we are doing what we can to provide them with what they need. This is our opportunity now to grow, to go forward, to overcome this latest challenge so that Anishinaabe will always be here. Anishinaabe ways, knowledge, language, culture, history, sovereignty, everything that makes us who we are, go on forever. What I'm hearing is this overwhelming understanding that there is a challenge that we're in the middle of, but also the faith and understanding that we have the tools, strength, and fortitude, and community care to get through it. Well, that's what I'm hearing too. Reminds me of the story of the buffalo and the storm that my mom tells me sometimes that she has told me. It's like, you know, what do buffalo do when there's a big, huge storm on the prairie coming towards them? They don't turn and run in the other direction or freeze and hunker down or try to go around the storm. They sort of kind of grab everybody. They kind of collectively get together and they just drive right into the heart of the storm, knowing that there's no way to avoid it. And also knowing that, you know, on the other side of that storm is peace and fortitude and, you know, abundance and all kinds of other really great rewards for the hard work that it takes to sort of confront difficult times, right? Adversity. It's amazing to see what we can do and how, what we can do collectively. Yeah, we are an amazingly strong and resilient and um, innovative group of individuals and Native people. We've been doing it since the beginning mm-hmm. of time. And we got this. Yes. I know we got this. We got this school year, too. Great. Well, thank you, Anthony. Thank you. Hey, co-hosting, how was it? It was awesome. I had a great time. Miigwech <laughs> <laughs> for having me here. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, we're, you know, on this program, we are co-hosts. So this is a equal weight here. So 
That's awesome. Um, I just want to say also before we're done here, chimigwech to Chaz Wagner and all the voices you brought to the conversation. Darren, Nick, Karen, and Terry. Great, great input. Great perspective. And yeah, it's a real honor to hear your voices. Yes, I agree. Well, I want to thank all the listeners today for joining us. Uh, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to kind of bring this information to you. Chimi Gwich, Wopida, and I wish you all good health. This is Anthony Staley. And I'm Leah Lem, Gigawabamin, and see you next time. Tokshake. Minnesota Native News Special Edition COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health.